Morning, welcome to the Science Podcast with me, Mr. Short, Mr. Young. Good morning. Mr. Forsyth. Hi there. And Mr. Atkinson. Hi, folks. Uh, the coronation is next week. Was it this weekend? Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. Saturday. Wow, you've paid that much attention. Uh, oh, it's a holiday on Monday, by the way. I'm just putting it out of there. It's a holiday on Monday. <laughs> that's what you're thinking that's, about. That's all we're focused on. But yeah. Thanks. Uh, and I thought we'd start off with the um, the stone. The stone of scone. Stone of scone. 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 The stone of scone. Spelled like scone, but scone of scone. That's a good way to start. A minute of talking about the pronunciation of scone. So this is something. This is a magic rock. Magic rock. This is like this is like the bit from Monty Python where you're you're actually made the king because of some watery lady's handed you a, a, a sword out of a lake. It's a magic right, okay. rock. Can you sit in the rock? I'm king. <laughs> it's been used for for uh, hundreds, for thousand years for crowning kings in Scotland. Twelve hundred years. Yeah, and then I think Edward the First nicked it and took it down south. Nicked it. Yeah, yeah. here we go. Inter- I love this story about the four Scottish nationalists who stole the star- stone. <laughs> the stone. <laughs> the stone of Scone, I can't. Um, stole it from Westminster Abbey, and uh, they didn't realise how heavy it was. I think it's like 100, 150 kilos. Yeah, or something. how did you walk out the door with that? It's like, just carry it on do, your shoulder. Do you have anything to declare? A big, <laughs> a big, a big, a big trench coat, you know, you see it. A couple of them standing up on top of each other. they dropped it, it's got two iron hooks. Uh, circles each end so they could lift it, but 150 kilos is quite heavy. No, Dropped it, heavy. it split. Uh, they buried it in a field so for the like, I don't know, hubbub to die down because they put, put roadblocks around Westminster Abbey, but it had gone by that stage. <laughs> could you just put stones around it? That would just stop. Then they took it up to our broth. Uh, then I think somebody gave him some money, some stonemason to reattach it yeah. so it looked like a solid stone again. What's it made of? Is it we know? Stone. <laughs> Scone! Scone! It's made of scone. No, it's not granite, it's red sandstone. And this is, is probably where the. It's probably like split. When we think about rocks, we just think they are rocks or stones. Um, but they, there's lots of interesting stuff in them, and it does relate to our chemistry in terms of covalent networks, it's a silicate network. Oh, alright, okay. So you can get silicate, silicon, and oxygen. Um, you've got this covalent network structure, but more, more of a composite because it's got minerals in there as well, which makes it one of the strongest materials for building things. Uh, also, we need to ex- use stones for extracting all of our metals, our raw materials from quarries and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the science bit of it, in terms of this, they've uh, managed to 3D image it. So a modern day technique where you can image it 3D and they can see more detail on the stone and the archaeological evidence comes through from looking at the markings on the stone. Oh, okay, so then actually seeing the, the stuff that is potentially yeah. eroded through, they can see the original markings. Got, yeah, Roman numerals on it and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Romans are fantastic. Yeah. You can write things inside So rock. it's not Scottish, it's now it's Roman. <laughs> but it is from Schoon... The rock is from there. I think it was like Jacob. It's called Jacob's Pillow, I think, because they thought Jacob had some dreams whilst lying on it. But uh, it is from Scoon. Do you ever wonder what it would be like to go back in time and experience people that make up these stories? Because they must have been a liar. I've got an idea. I mean, the nights at the pub are like. They'll never. They'll never. If we get this stone, I had a dream about it, and it was if you sit in it, 
that makes you the king. Like, well, I sat in it earlier on, so that. I'm the king. Yeah. And they do, I think they've used X-ray fluorescence as well, which I don't know much about, but they bombard it with X-rays. Uh, fluorescence is a special technique where you excite electrons mm. and they relax back down and you can see stuff in it. I can't see much else about like, X-ray fluorescence, but moving on yes. from the stone of Scone, Scone and the coronation, uh, Prince Charles is, is renowned for King Charles, is no, not for yeah. being into his wild You're life. You're not going to be in tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> Off with his head. <laughs> he was one of the first people to talk about conservation, uh, the environment in the 70s and 80s, I think. Yeah, he was pretty and ridiculed for yeah. it, wasn't he? It was pretty, it's one of the things that it's, it was pretty much, you know, he, he said at that kind of point, I talked to my plants and yeah. all that sort of stuff, etc. And, and, and really, really ridiculed. I know it was a, it was a, it's a big bone of contention nowadays because many of the, it's like a lot of these things, if you hang around long enough, uh, you might actually find that people t- will come round to agree with you. So I guess he was. Or you're just mad. Or you're just mad. I was about to say, no, no one's agreeing. No talk, one's agreeing. Talking about plants is not a fair point. No, no, but they're talking to them. Help some grow. I'll be head on the and greenhouse after this. It's some who've done, they did the podcast on the Earthshot Prize that Prince William is promoting uh, as conservation in the UK. Uh, there's lots of stuff on conservation just now, but today, hands gone on from the coronation perhaps, is we're looking at uh, extinction and biodiversity today. Um, and World Wildlife Day was the 3rd of March. We have Earth Day, World Wildlife Day, we have No Mow May, so you're not meant to mow your grass in May, so the grass grows longer, there's grubs for hedgehogs, bumblebees can get food from dandelions, mm. you don't spray weed killer because it'll basically kill the this, bees. Is this, this just so you don't need to mow the lawn? So you yeah. don't need to mow the lawn. You're, you're, it's, it's yeah. And it came from, um, Mr Young was talking about, he was reading an article on extinction of the lions in Chad. Because yeah. you never saw any lions in Chad. They'd all gone for, what, 20 years or something. The yeah, first one was spotted talking recently. about 2004 <coughs> was the last time there was big cats spotted in Chad's National Park. And they, they believed that they were extinct now. I, what I think they believed is that they'd actually moved out of the country and yeah. moved to a neighbouring national park. But I they mean, had never then came back. It must have been due to a food source, lack of food that's source. That's the thing, isn't it? The extinction, when you talk about... Uh, an animal being extinct is when it's no longer present, present and it's a, in an expected environment, an expected yeah. habitat. Yes. So it's not necessarily, we always think like, you know, the, 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 the dodo, I, the dodo in Madagascar was killed off because Dutch sailors brought pigs, pigs then, I think the pigs were eating the eggs of the dodo, which then and the completely of- eradicated the population of the dodo, there's no dodos left. Whereas these lions were there, had moved, but as recently as um, I think it was the end of last year it's not it's they just recently released the pictures so it must have been the back end of last year uh, back end of February sorry there we go just rereading it um, they picked up a very healthy five year old lioness and that that's really telling because one five years old so survived, survived. past yeah. being a cub and two healthy lionesses do not live on their own. They don't travel on their own. They have they, they, they tend to be part of a pride. Yeah. So there is a belief now that there is a now a fully functioning pride of lions in Chad, which is quite nice. It's quite an, a positive so story. In terms of reintroduction of uh because we're, we're looking at animals, not a mass extinction. Dinosaurs were mass extinction, asteroid impact. Yeah. The whole lot of them got wiped out. We, we've got the fossil Cretaceous record showing dinosaurs, the last, yeah. and then no more dinosaurs. Five, isn't there? Five mass extinctions? Yeah, but Cretaceous due, due a at some point. Yeah. We're overdue a mass extinction. But now we're looking at climate change forming that 
extinction and things, yeah. uh, animals disappearing. Um, so why, what, what's the benefit of reintroducing lions? Why is it a good thing to see lions um, Well, if you, you want to introduce apex predators to ecosystems because if you don't, then it's all about it's food chain. So if you take something out of a food chain, the things below on the food chain become overpopulated. Yeah. So you need the apex predators there to basically keep. But what's the problem with having the overpopulation of the things? So for them, it's great. Say for example, <laughs> well, so for example, in Britain, quite a common, um, quite a common food pyramid or food chain is grass rabbits foxes. Right, so grass, rabbit, foxes, rabbits eat the grass, eat grass in fields, but the so foxes, foxes, the the foxes keep the rabbit population at a respectable level. We took rabbits over to Australia, and Australia there's no natural predators of rabbits, population boomed, farmers' fields were stripped from natural vegetation for their, their actual cattle, but they also, because of the burrows, their fields collapsed because there's so many burrows underneath them mm. that they actually ruined their fields. So it's very, very mm. important. Although we always think apex predators are dangerous to human beings, right? because we think of the big ones, right? even the smaller ones like foxes yeah. are vital. Yeah. Yeah. So it's grazing land that's reintroduced yeah. and they get more grazing land because the predators there. It's actually it's, it's one of these things, isn't it? That it's, it's amazing how tenuous it can all end up being with one one food source disappearing suddenly ends up meaning that the, the predators of that food source will then move on to either something else or that the or there's a cascade of movement of those uh, creatures someplace else. Uh, it's, it's a huge impact because it's the one that keep talking about uh, introducing the wolves back into the uh, into the forests of Scotland, which I think would would add a whole new slant to like wild camping and stuff. <laughs> I don't think I don't think that people would experience wolf attacks to the extent that they think they would. No, of course. You know, I think I'd heard about the wild the Scottish wildcat reintroduction. Mm. We're trying to support that <laughs> because I was thought I thought you were going to say about wolves in Yellowstone. They've been actually just successful. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the cat yeah. in Scotland. To go with the cats, that's, one, the, that's one of the major strength. problems with ecosystems in Britain. There's too many household cats. In Britain, there's too many household cats, which is actually causing detrimental effects to the ecosystems. What, what predator are you suggesting? What do you mean? <laughs> no, I mean, in the cats, the predators. No, no, to keep the cats in uh, check. Let's what go with dogs? the wolves before we offend people who have got cats. You don't cats. have to answer that question. <laughs> um, wolves were reintroduced in Yellowstone National Park in 1995. Does we know much about that? Oh, I know it's successful because it's quite a few. It's quite a common uh, question that gets used in yeah. Uh, they looked like exams. they were eradicated in the 1920s, and they've been wolf-free for 70 years. So much, perhaps, like Scotland, not having wolves or the bears deer population has exploded here. Um, so. Wolf-free for 70 years, um, and there was a rising elk population, mm. which is the same thing. It's a, it's a familiar theme that goes on. So that le- led to overgrazing. So they took 41 wolves from Canada. Right. So Canada hadn't obviously killed them all, and um, put them into Yellowstone National Park, and the wolves migrated and spread out and reduced the overgrazing. But there was lots of other effects. So I mentioned that because you can get elk burgers in, in Canada. <laughs> I've tried it, so I've helped keep that. Up. <laughs> just, you've done your bit. Well I done. Played, I played my position. Freshly caught cheap. by the, the wolves and then eaten by Mr. Mr. Atkinson. Mr. Atkinson, the apex predator. <laughs> <laughs> so easily done as well. Barely had any effort. So 
With the overgrazing reduced, I, I mean, if you, I think Wikipedia can find quite a bit of this information. It's an interesting oh. story because um, you wouldn't think <coughs> there's so many benefits for wolf reintroduction. Um, oh. Woody plants rebounded, so instead of being like eaten by mm. the elk, they that meant the beaver population increased because they had more wood to look to eat. I guess using their dams, the stream levels became a more regular level, uh, more regular levels, instead of flash floods and disappearing. Okay. Um, the beavers helped get the Oh, okay, so yeah, right, so okay. I'll was, I was try to figure out how the... So there's the further more cooler, water. shaded, more shaded areas on the rivers because the beavers were there, because the woodland increased, then there's more areas for trout. So trout came back. Um, moose increased. Mooses? Yeah, because competition... Competition would decrease for the elk. Mink increased. We had the birds coming back because the fish were coming back, so we had more herons, more waterfowl, more waiting birds. Um, there's loads of different things. The benefits of introducing a wolf, the knock-on effects was massive. Uh, you think it's just one thing, but that one, that impact has something else, yeah. and then another impact, and it, it, it can really increase the biodiversity of whatever area. Quite a beautiful story of how things have increased. I think that same model has been um, copied and if you, again, you can see a lot of countries that are copying that model of reintroducing wolves. Arizona, New Mexico, Colorado, all of reintroducing wolves to increase biodiversity by, increase, by adding an apex predator, which is quite, you wouldn't think yeah. With hindsight, it seems yeah, like it's, 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 it's funny. Again, it's it's, it's it's the food web. It's the it's the interlinking of all these things. I guess it's it's one of the things we kind of saw to an extent during the the pandemic in terms of some of the the biodiversity return that we had when we didn't have as many people um, out and around. We had uh, doing end up was it like. Whales and dolphins, etc. And like, was there no Venice? Uh, there within, was it dolphins? Dolphins within Venice, Venice within the, the water. Because the, the, the water fuel. was cleaner mm. as well. Terms of just because of the um, well, we of stay the on, impact. Stay on marine animals because uh, whales are reduced. Were, were reducing the numbers because of whaling. Mm. Yeah. And there's no. There's a, we can't really find any reason for whaling anymore because they used to whale, kill whales um, to get the oil. Out for a fuel. These oil lamps. Yeah, it's also hugely used within um, a lot of Chinese medicine. But now it? you can't have whale well, meat because it could be toxic to humans because the amount of pollution in the planet. Um, so the only reason that, so <laughs> the main reason why they think, all oh, right, we shouldn't kill these animals <laughs> is because it might negatively it's, affect us. Nah, surely not. It was the the, 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 the countries that were. I'm pretty sure the, the biggest. Kind of whalers was of Scandinavian countries for minke whales, and then it was the Japanese <coughs> doing a lot of overfishing. And the problem with the overfishing is it's just the byproduct. You just fish everything, so they were just killing life and I mean, we all, we, I think every culture, every country who has a coastline and a fishing fleet has, is guilty of in some way overfishing. The yeah, you go to the Outer Hebrides, there's a whalebone arch of a blue whale, but it wasn't from whaling, I think it was washed up in the shore. Mm. North of Stornoway, there's a whaling arch with the harpoon that was fired into the... Oh no, it must have been killed then. Mm. The harpoon. <laughs> <laughs> Either that or somebody's been up onto the beach and went, oh look what I got, yeah, look how cool I am. Down in Berwick, they've got a whale boat. That's right, on the top of the... Berwick Law, I think. Aye, on top of the wall. That's right. But any which countries are still whaling? Japan. Japan's whaling, yeah. I know 
Um, I did know that the Faroe Islands were still doing it yeah. to an extent, but I don't know if they still are. Iceland is, and they're stopping next year, 2024, they're aimed to stop. Norway kills the most whales. Canada. Which is surprising, I thought. Canada. Really? Yeah, they were. Okay. So Nova Scotia. Um, area, and with the overfishing, yeah. they catch a load of dolphins as well, and porpoises. So 300,000 dolphins and porpoises caught by mistake from, from whaling, which I find massive. Yeah. So in terms of uplifting stories, um, we've got mm. things that are being extinct, we've got um, bumblebees on the decline, we're looking for increasing our biodiversity. China destroyed all their bumblebee populations, did they not? With well, mass insecticides, yeah. they had to pollinate by hand. Um, let's look at um, de-extinction Ooh, stories, because that could be quite... Resurrection biology. Resurrection, which could will make a, a little popular culture reference to Jurassic Park. <laughs> Unfortunately, Jurassic Park can't happen, though. <gasps> oh, DNA's, come on! No, DNA's half-life is to... Uh, you can't get oh, DNA. You can, they believe... Not, uh, no, uh, this is not for saying this might be completely wrong, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure we could, we could potentially do Wooly Mammoth. Yeah, the body. What's that? It's, it's to do with the amount of DNA, that de- uh, the, the time it takes for DNA to degrade. Don't, we'll get a copyright strike. Um, yeah, it takes, DNA has like a half-life, kind of similar, I'm assuming, to the radioactive material. Yeah. And it would, the, the DNA from dinosaurs at this point in time would be too degraded to physically be. But that's assuming there's a bit of water or solution with. Or are you saying that we tissue? should go be going to look for sap? Are we, going to, are we actually going <laughs> we to go? We are going to go and hunt for the mosquitoes trapped inside. Is it more that it doesn't get fossilized? Like DNA doesn't get fossilized. Possibly. There won't be any solution, liquid tissue mm. with DNA that in would it. Make sense, yeah, that would so make sense, yeah. But isn't that the, so the, the, the point, sorry, with the, the point that Crichton was making with uh, the insertion of so many DNA strands into, because the the, the genome, the, the whole uh, strand, the helix, was incomplete and therefore uh, had to fill in the gaps. That's the whole thing with Dr. Wu. And then fill we, in the spaces. we have an apex predator, let's make it a chameleon. <laughs> well, that, and, that's, and, that's the, and that's kind of the point with the whole of Jurassic Park, where there's not, uh, they are fairground attractions, they're not, they are not dinosaurs. They're yeah. not. They're genetic hybrids. But the uh, idea was they took the DNA from a mosquito that was preserved in amber. Yeah. Well, yeah, they took the DNA that the, now, the blood that, that right? the mosquito had actually withdrawn because uh, there was yeah. no mosquito, because otherwise so you're just... mosquitoes won't store DNA from any animal they suck the blood. That's the same idea as the, in archaeology, <coughs> because some of the bones are they're calcified, so it keeps the oh. DNA inside the... I never thought about that. keeps the DNA inside. So blood, red blood cells don't have a nucleus. No. Yeah. So there's no <laughs> DNA. Exactly. I never ever thought that that was. I'm, I'm going to watch Jurassic Park with a completely new mind now. No! That's wrong! Well, it depends though if you. Well, very tenuously, you may be able to get some DNA from white blood cells, but I don't think it would be that much. Even if it was, structurally, would have been broken down because surely mosquitoes are, are the venom they're putting in and actually withdrawing it. It's a, it's a digestion that be breaking themselves down. So let's have a look at a few of the <laughs> techniques because we do have, I think. Um, Modern technique is CRISPR. CRISPR is the new... Oh, the we talk about AI and the problems with AI in future. CRISPR is another thing that could lead to gene editing in humans, which is uh, CRISPR, which stands for cr- um, Clustered Regularly Interspersed Short Palindromic Repeats. Yes. And that's the magic, the new magic tool for geneticists in the future to change DNA and edit our DNA. Um, but we also have perhaps more safer techniques um, well, it's still linked to DNA, but from our zoos, 
Mm. Zoos are basically conservation areas now, rather than uh, they are spectacles where we go into There's a zoo. attractions, but they are doing a lot of conservation work. The conservation work, I think, from zoos, and again, well, from ignorance, good. as we all do on the podcast, we just start the discussion until we find out more. Um, but San Diego Zoo has the largest branch of living animal cells. So should we be at the stage where we can reintroduce extinct animals? So kind of, like, kind of like the bank of seeds yeah. that we have, we have a bank of animals. In cells Norway, well. Nor- yeah. Norway under the ground in the tundra, the cold bits. The cold bits. <laughs> like that. Of seeds. What, what biome is it? It's the cold bit. But again, but that's, that's the fundamental problem with that. It's not, it's not even about uh, the genetic pool that you're actually uh, dealing with. It's, it's the behaviour that's underpinning that. Uh, Animals within captivity don't have the same behaviours that they would within a natural habitat, and it's the expectation that you can just plug and play. Uh, and I guess that's what so many of the zoos have suffered with, where they're trying to um, populate from or move one uh, animal to another to try and populate, uh, like the pandas, bring them over here, and they don't end up with any success at all. I mean, the, 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 the panda was over here for five years, eight years or something, and I, I had no success at all. Because no. they don't really help themselves, do they? Well, to be honest, any animal is just pretty much bamboo. Or it's <laughs> like the second such a low energy diet. The reason that this, this topic <laughs> came to mind was because when I was in Barcelona in low April, energy. we went to the zoo in Barcelona and they have ibex. <clears throat> and I know not all ibex were extinct, but there was a specific branch of the ibex gene line that was extinct and it's Pyrenean not Pyrenean Pyrenean and they've they're trying well, I don't know if they've successfully done it yet or not but they're trying to that's candidate for de-extinction they're going to use other Ibex DNA to try and bring yeah. this back in, into yeah. the, the fold but yeah. the loads mean that January 2000 the last pay. Pyrenean ibex died, making the species extinct. But they've got subspecies. So you've got the Western, the Spanish, uh, or the, the Gridos ibex in southeastern Spanish. It's nice to look at that and think about evolution in some yeah. ways, the, n- the number of, like, like, say, subspecies or variations on it. Well, I guess there's a, there's, there's a fundamental piece that's underpinning that, and I guess it's kind of alluded to in terms of um, Jurassic Park, where here some species have died out because their habitats no longer are available or, or can support them or we're unwilling to release that habitat back to them to an extent and to a certain extent now they've they've had their shot we've we've impacted to such an extent that reintroducing them back in could, could have its could have its own impacts as well uh, and sometimes you may you need to you need to reap what you sow to a certain extent i feel that uh, in a lot of cases man tends to think that we can we can fix this all like oh i broke it so i'll, I'll sort it we've got a quarter of all species threatened with extinction yeah. conservation loss of habitat and hunting is probably the main reason what what animals are and this is what surprised me when you look at de-extinction or things that are surprising or positive stories, you find odd things that the elephant shrew, for example, I don't know, elephant shrew, I think it has a... <laughs> oh, oh, elephant oh, trunk, yeah, yeah. Oh, trunk. We thought that was extinct 50 years ago. And it, I, I guess it highlights the fact that the world is a big place. And we yeah. forget that we shrink it because of travel and um, uh, things like that. But one was found in August 2020 on the Horn of Africa. Yeah, tiny little nose there. And you just think, nobody's spotted one, but you've got to have people out looking to yeah. spot these things, like bird watchers. 
the <laughs> terrorist. What's your job? I'm an elephant shrew watcher. Busy today? <laughs> Ter- Not so much. Terror scheme discovered in 1872. Now I don't know if I'm reading my writing <laughs> right there. <laughs> 1872. Not seen again till 2003. I mean that's that is hide and seek to the max. That, Do you think that's that with um, the what's, what's it called? Is it a colocanth? The fish. Oh yeah, fish. yeah, that's right. The, we the, thought the, the prehistoric... pool went up yeah, for the, yeah, the dirt, we, we so. thought it was extinct, and then the next man's like, "Oh, hello, there's a and that, this island, there's this little kind of hovel where there's like this whole population of this prehistoric fish." So on, yeah. And you're like, <clears throat> "What is like, especially with the ocean animals? Because the ocean is so vast, and we don't know really that much about what's going on." What is? But again, it's it's also it's, it's our impact to it, isn't it? Yeah. That so many of these creatures are are moving from their habitats, or they are. They're getting out of the way. They're, we're, we're noisy. We are and our, our impact in terms on the of conservation, because obviously we, we don't want to get to the point where we don't see these animals. Yes. And in terms of local conservation, because we've got uh, local national, parks national Parks in America. Park. John Muir started the National Parks in America. Scott. <coughs> we've got, got Loch Lomond National Park. Yeah. Cairn Gorman National Park. Cairn Gorman, Loch Lomond uh, in Scotland, obviously after the American ones that had started mm. up. But to bring fenced an area of land which is not going to be built on and is, is kept uh, wild. And we've got rewilding as well. There's a bit in the like paper about farmers rewilding. Yeah. They, get, they get encouraged to leave... I think I think yeah. the government actually gives yeah, a payment. I don't think it's much, but I think they get a payment for every. We were growing up in the village where had the set asides, so the farm was set aside. Yeah. Area that was was that farms. not would have been a different thing though, wasn't it? Because they would, because part of the set aside was to. Um, reinvigorate the soils, etc. Uh, yeah. Rather than you're also if you if you're letting a field basically get grow wild flowers, then you're going to get pollinators come back to your farm. Yeah. Pollinators going to help your your plants reproduce as well. So yeah. there's many many benefits to. So what would we do around here? Because first on my mind is litter. Yeah. And yeah. why is litter such a problem? Because it doesn't seem that bad. It's unsightly. I think there's two two one. There's not enough bins. <coughs> And two, there's not enough people to yeah, Why is it bad to have litter lying around? Oh, animals can get trapped. Animals can yeah. get... Animals eat it, animals ingest yeah. the stuff that's there. Animals, well, if we leave behind waste food, etc., etc., yeah. then, and it also can bring in vermin, which yeah. can then impact on other Disease. smaller creatures that are there and carriers of disease. And then you just go yeah. even for microplastics get into the food yeah. chain. Yeah. Which is why we can't eat whales anymore. Damn microplastics. Mr. Axon, have you had a whale burger? I've had another little burger now. I've had too many calories. Too much. Can you hold one? No, I had a thousand damn you got. I had a minky whale. Minky whale in Iceland, yeah. Minky burger, right? Wait, what? Not a minky burger, it was a steak. Minky steak. In Iceland in 2018. What else could we do around here, do you think? In terms of conservation? Well. Just we got wildflower meadows. Wildflower yeah, meadows so are quite good. We have that natural wait for it. I'm waiting for bikes. Reduce the cars. The, the, the problem. The less animals killed. The, the problem with <laughs> more cyclists. The, the, the problem with the wildflower meadows. The problem with all this idea is, is humans. Because humans are well. We all we, 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 no. We live in these areas, right? So if you if if you didn't cut the verges if you didn't do this because it's all about promoting biodiversity, which is good. There's always going to be someone going, I want that cut because it's unsightly. We've got that. We've got tracks of land as I cycle home. 
<laughs> Clang! <laughs> tracks of land that are not uh, cut. Like the, the edges are cut, and then the central bit, you've yes, got a that's bit that's uncut in the middle. If you look for that, that's quite interesting to see these days because that sprung up in the last year. And I think we, yeah. there was a consultation on whether, in Falkirk whether that should happen. Yeah, but they've decided to chuck. Let me start. Then they decided to cut down all the trees and get rid of all the vegetation around the Falkirk Stadium because they're building this big new whole fangled roundabout and they've ripped up the... There was actually a picture I saw of a family of deer huddling underneath like two remaining trees mm. as the Falkirk Council were cutting down the, the trees around it. So it's, it's, it's give with one and take with them. I think we've lost our positive vibe of... <laughs> Reintroduction and de-extinction, well, you know, but in general, it's a positive realism. What would be, what would be, uh, Fisher, What would be the one animal that is extinct that you would be, no. would be very interested for it to come back? Oh. I, I don't know. With woolly mammoth. <laughs> Where would you put it? <laughs> In the living room. <laughs> <laughs> Just, can you get me a beer out of the fridge? <laughs> Open the door say, with a tusk. Tasmanian tiger would be. Because that's extinct. And so, bringing that back would bring an actual predator back to Australia and to Tasmania. Tasmania. That would be interesting. You'd ha- that that I wonder if they would have the same problem with the rabbits if they had that reintroduced. Guys, what do you think? I have no, no idea. <laughs> no, no, I can honestly say I've never thought about it. The dodo would be a good one to bring back as well, actually. You think about the dodo, like, I don't know what environmental benefits that yeah, would bring. I don't know what that would be. Um, I don't know what environmental benefit they have. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to come back from re-extinction, don't you? <laughs> Mr. Besides, no. goes the predator. <laughs> <laughs> I don't How think... I, I, don't, I, think any I don't think in any part of that I'm going to end up being there any predator that's there. I don't think I can be an apex predator anywhere. <laughs> but again, that's, it's like a lot of these things, like velociraptors, etc. You see the Jurassic Park, a lot of the things, a lot of the creatures... Oops, sorry, a lot a of the creatures... Like, outside. <laughs> <laughs> we, we think of, um, or they think of a particular shape and size or anything else. They, they don't look anything like that. I guess it's the, the thought for like dinosaurs, etc. The, there's now the, the thought process that a T-Rex had feathers. Mm-hmm. Be, be fantastic to actually to see well, that. I, I'm to see that and understand Highland, Highland that. Highland cow crossed with a. Uh, oh, now, now we're just. Highland cow and an elephant to get a woolly mammoth. Yeah, don't, don't do that experiment. <laughs> we don't do that as <laughs> Just a coat. It's like a fur coat on an elephant. Yeah, you're, more, you're more likely to get a fake fur coat and put on an elephant to say you have woolly mammoth. Don't do personal experiments. Like, <laughs> personal experiments. stop there. We've got uh, enjoy the coronation, um, think environment things. Enjoy I your guess. bank holiday, folks. And sit on the stone of scones. Have some scones. <laughs> if I sit there, it'll break again. <laughs> <laughs>